Awesome. Well, how are you guys doing today? All right, my name is Matt Fry, as you heard, and I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina area. Anybody, anybody from Raleigh? Yeah. Got some Raleigh people here. Awesome. It's great to be. I didn't actually grow up in Raleigh. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, yeah, we got some Nashville people here. And moved to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina area, North Carolina, when I was uh, in high school and attended Liberty University. So it's awesome to be back here. I, I believe this is the greatest university on the planet. How many of you believe Liberty is the greatest university? And what an honor to be here today at the Church Planting Emphasis Week. I'm telling you, this is the first time this has ever happened here at Liberty. And tonight's going to be incredible. Tomorrow, you're not going to want to miss all the events and the speakers uh, tonight with Ed Stetzer, tomorrow night with Nelson Searcy, uh, and all the other events. Also, go to the DeMoss uh, Hall, I believe is where it is, where they have several booths with in, uh, information and all about the organizations. And maybe God would have you be a part of planting a church. But I'm here today to share with you uh, from my heart about what God has done at our church and about what God can do in your life. And I believe Liberty University is an example of a, a place where, where all things are possible with God. I came here in 1983. We did not have a football stadium. We did not have the Vine Center. This was a hole in the ground. We didn't have a, a skating, uh, ice skating rink and all the cool stuff. And uh, you guys have come a long way. In 1983, I was a lot different then. I had hair. In the 80s, it was the big hair day. How many of you are 80s fans? All right, you like 80s? All right, some of you are born in the 80s, right? Well, I had big hair in the 80s. I had the big deal. And, of course, when I came to Liberty, I didn't have big hair anymore. I had short, big hair. And, uh, but it's exciting to be back here and to see all that God's done. This is an amazing example of when God gives, gives us a vision that anything is possible with God. Isn't it amazing to think all that's taken place here at Liberty University? I'm so thankful for Dr. Jerry Falwell and, and the, the vision that he had here and the, the legacy that he's left and now what's all the exciting things that are happening with Pastor Jonathan and, and the leadership here at Thomas Road and at Liberty University with the Dr. Ergen Canner. These are exciting days at Liberty University. And I think if you're not careful as a student, you can take it for granted because you don't realize where it's come from. But man, God is so good. And God is going to do amazing things in your life as you're here at Liberty University. Well, my wife Martha is here and I have three children. Uh, their ages are 12, 11, and 9. Would you guys just let them know how much you're glad they're here today? Would you guys stand up, Martha and my three children? Yeah, there you go. Awesome. And I got a bunch of the staff over here. You, the staff that came up from, uh, from C3 and Clayton. You guys stand up real quick and give a big wave. Awesome to have you. It's great to, to be here and, and to speak to you. I want to talk to you today about how you can experience the impossible in your life. How many believe that with God, you can experience the impossible? The, yeah. The Bible is filled with story after story of how God can take an impossible situation and do something amazing. I heard last week that you have David Nasser here and he shared with you about the miracle of the boy who fed the 5,000. 
You see story after story about how God would take a situation that looked like there was no hope and do something supernatural. You see examples where Jesus walked on water supernaturally, where he took a teenage boy, David, and killing the giant, Goliath. But the story I want to share with you today is about a guy named Noah. And Noah is an example of one man who was willing to make a difference. One man who was willing to stand up and say, God, you can use me. I'm willing to to follow you. Can you imagine what it was like to, to be Noah? God comes to him and says, I want you to build an ark. A what? An ark. What's an ark? Well, it's a big boat. Why should I do that? Well, it's going to flood. What's a flood? Well, it's when it rains a lot. God, what's rain? Because he had never rained before. Don't you know that Noah was probably wondering, maybe he had a, something bad to eat the night before, and is this really God speaking? But God took Noah, one man who was willing to do something that had never been done before. What if God had come to you and said, I'm going to wipe out the whole planet and I'm going to start over with you. Don't you know that was a sad day when God said he was disappointed that he had ever made man. We become so perverted and so evil that he wanted to wipe out the whole planet. And he said, Noah, I have chosen you. You are my man to make a difference. What if God had come to you and asked you to build the boat? You know, if he'd come to me, I'd have been nervous because I can't build anything. My wife, when she married me, she thought I was, was going to be a, like a Mr. Fix-It man, like her dad. Her dad builds houses, and, and he can fix anything. I can't fix anything. Now, I can break it. I'm, if you want me to break something, I'm a good Mr. Break-It man. But I'm not a Mr. Fix-It man. If God had come to me, I'd have been a little bit nervous. That that ark would have looked a little bit unusual if it had been up to me. I'm not sure that it would have floated. But Noah was one man who was willing to follow God's, God's vision for his life. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at verse 7. It says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen... In holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. If you want to see God do the impossible in your life, the first thing that we must understand is we must have a clear vision that comes from God. We must have a clear vision. Everybody say vision. The vision must come from God, not from ourselves, not from our friends, not even from our parents. The vision must clearly come from God. And see, God gives us a vision. And God gave Noah a vision to do something that seemed impossible, to do something that looked like there was no way it could be done. What is vision? Vision is seeing that which doesn't even exist yet as it's already happened. I like what Pastor Dale Galloway, how he defines vision. He says, vision is the ability or the God-given gift to see those things which are not as becoming reality. Look at verse 1 of Hebrews 11. It says, now faith 
is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Notice it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Underline that phrase, certain of what we do not see. See, Noah was certain of what he did not see. He didn't know what an ark was, but God gave him a vision to build the ark, and he was willing by faith to build it. Don't you know he had some doubts? Don't you know that he probably wondered, God, is this really you? Because if I really do this out here in the middle of a desert, people are going to think that I'm crazy. They're going to think that I've lost my mind. Is this really from you? Or was it just bad pepperoni pizza from last night? Because i got, I got to know if this is really from you. But he stepped out on faith because God gave him a clear vision of what didn't even exist yet. Let me tell you what happens if we don't have a vision for our life. If we don't have a vision for our future. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And if Noah had not had a vision... His own family would have perished. And we certainly would have been affected by that, wouldn't we? And when we don't have a vision that comes from God, lives are going to perish. And unfortunately, if they don't have Christ as their personal Savior, they're going to go to hell. I don't know about you, but that bothers me. I don't know about you, but I don't want people to go to hell. I don't want people to live a life of hopelessness. I don't want people to live a life of helplessness. I want them to know about God and how much he loves them and how he can change their life and how God can do supernatural things in their life and fill them with his power that they can do things that they never dreamed of. And to do that, it takes a vision. It takes a vision that comes from God. That's why God gave us a vision in 1998 to leave Lynchburg, Virginia, serving on staff here with Pastor Jonathan and his dad, Dr. Falwell, and student ministry and Moved down by faith to Johnston County, North Carolina. Does anybody know where Johnston County is? Awesome. They have a smile on their face because, because they've been eating red hot dogs at Eastern Carolina Barbecue. Hey, there, yeah. There's lots of great barbecues around, but there is nothing greater on the planet than good old East Carolina Barbecue. All right, if you, don't, if you want to taste it, just come on down to C3. We'll take you out, get you some good old-fashioned East Carolina barbecue. All right, I'm chasing a rabbit here, but Johnson County is an exciting place. But I never dreamed that God would send us back there. See, I lived there when I was 18 years old. I came to Liberty as a freshman. I didn't come to Liberty to be a pastor. I didn't come to Liberty to be a church planter. In fact, the only reason why I came to Liberty is because they asked me to come and be on the wrestling team. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll come and wrestle. But that was really all I wanted to do. See, my life was all about me. It was all about my life. It was all about athletics. And athletics was really kind of my God. The last thing on the wor- in the world that I wanted to be was to be a pastor. See, my dad was a pastor. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be a pastor. I'm not going to do that. My wife's dad was a pastor. And she said, the last thing in the world I want to do is to marry a pastor. So be careful 
what you tell God. When I came here as an 18-year-old freshman, had no desire to go into ministry, had no desire to be a pastor, but sitting in a class, in a youth ministry class, I heard about how many people were dying and going to hell. Actually, I didn't sign up for the class because I wanted to go into youth ministry. My roommate said, hey, that would be an easy A. So I said, okay, I need an easy A as a freshman. I need some, I need some wins here this first semester. So I took youth ministry 201. And in that class, I heard Pastor Doug Ranlett, at that time Professor Doug Ranlett, share that 95% of those who receive Christ do so before the age of 21. Listen to me. As I'm sitting in that seat in that professor class, the Holy Spirit reached down and touched my heart. And he said, Matt, what are you going to do about it? What are you doing with your life? Your life is all about you. Your life is all about what you want. But where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be in ten years? As you look back ten years from now, how will your life have made a difference? I started thinking about the students that I went to high school with. Many of which were already way off track. Had far from God. And I could have made a bigger impact on their life when I was in high school. If I'd been serious about him. During that first semester of my freshman year here at Liberty, I gave my life to God. And I said, God, I surrender my life to you. I will do whatever. I will go wherever. I surrender my life to you. And listen to me, I immediately got involved in serving at Thomas Road Baptist Church. And ever since then, I've been involved faithfully serving in local church ministry. My life has never been the same since that time. And the same can be for you. But when God touched my heart, I had no idea that 15 years later, he would send us back down to Johnston County, where my wife's family was from, to plant this church. But it all began with a vision. In the movie, Evan Almighty, have you seen that movie? Can you guys go to movies? We couldn't go to movies when I was here. Y'all have been set free. Just be careful which ones you go to. But uh, Evan Almighty uh, was, was a pretty interesting movie. Not exactly the, uh, uh, an accurate biblical account of Noah. <laughs> but it was a funny movie. And there was one scene where God was talking to Noah's wife. Actually, it was Morgan Freeman playing God, talking to Lauren Graham, who's playing Evan's wife. And he begins to talk to her. And here's the conversation. See, Evan's wife had been praying for courage, and Evan's wife had been praying for patience, and Evan's wife had been praying that her family would be closer. And Morgan Freeman playing the part of God. By the way, I hope God's, you know, that would be interesting when we get to heaven, it's like, there's Morgan Freeman. You know, it's like, what's up? You know? But Morgan Freeman, playing the part of God, looks at her and he says this. He says, let me ask you something. Do you think that if someone asks God for patience, that he just gives them patience? Or does he give them opportunities to be patient? If, God, if someone asks God for courage, does he give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? 
If someone prayed for their family to be closer, does God zap them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? And I thought, wow, that's interesting. That's powerful. Because God is going to give you opportunities here at Liberty. This week, actually, is an opportunity for you to discover and to, and to just pray about, God, what's the future? Would it be related to helping plant a church? And you might be sitting there thinking, there's no way I could be a pastor and I could go plant a church. I'm not talking about that. For some of you, I am. But for many of you, maybe you're going to go and you're going to serve on a team to go plant a church. Or maybe you're going to go with a group. You know, it takes about 50 to 75 people in a core in most of the churches that we help start to go out and plant a church. So we need those of you that are just in different occupations that would, that would move with a pastor and his team to a city around the United States and say, you know, don't worry about paying me a salary. I've got a job, but we're going to plant this church together. We're going to change lives. Maybe God's going to touch your heart this week and think, you know, when I graduate, one of the things that I want to do, in addition to my occupation, is that I want that occupation to help build the kingdom of God, not the occupation just to build my wallet. And now as a church, we have the privilege of planting other churches. And this week, networking with Liberty and Thomas Road and and other great church planting organizations, as you heard from Pastor Jonathan, the vision of planting five churches churches in the next five years. Can you imagine what this world would be like and what the United States would be like if in five years we planted 500 churches that are passionate for God and passionate for lost people? What a difference that would make. The second thing that we must have if we're going to experience the impossible is faith. Everybody say faith. The first one's vision. The second thing is faith. Faith That God can do the impossible. Faith that all things are possible with God. Look at Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Notice it says, and without faith, it is what? impossible to please God. But with God, all things are what? Possible. Repeat after me. All things are possible with God. Come on, some of y'all need to wake up. Ready? All things are possible with God. Now let's say it all together. Let's let the vine center just kind of roar with praise for God. All things are possible with with God. Let's give God praise here in this place, man. We serve a mighty God. And when we have faith, we can experience the supernatural. But without it, we can't please God. See, it takes faith to trust God for something that has never happened before. And Noah experienced something that had never happened before. There had never been a flood. And God tells him, that it's going to rain. And Noah's like, what's rain? It's like if I were to dump a big lake on top of your head. That's what a flood is. But Noah, by faith, verse 7, it was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. Circle the word faith. It was by faith that Noah built the ark. 
And the result is what? That he saved his own family from the flood. You know, when he first began building the boat, he probably had no idea that the main thing he was doing was saving his own family. God knew, but he didn't know. But the result was that he built that bark, that ark, the bark or the ark? The ark to save his own family. Today, what does God want to give you faith for? Today, maybe today God is asking you to have faith, to trust in Him, to do the impossible. What do you need faith for today? Some of you today, you might need faith. You're trying, you're just asking God, God, I'm just, I'm looking for a wife. I'm looking for a husband. Some of you are, uh, you know, God, I'll settle for a date. I'm just trusting God by faith that I'll have a date this week. I was 26 years old when I first got, when I I first got married. Yeah, I'm my first wife. No, she is my first and only and last wife. But praise God for that. And I was 26 years old, still 25, still single, thinking, what's wrong with me? I was a youth pastor, single, and I thought that I'm going to be single the rest of my life. What, it, it, I, what am I, weird? And the answer is, my family says yes. And, but, uh, you know, what's wrong with me, God? I had high expectations. I was looking for a godly woman who was on fire for God. Beautiful. You know, I, I just had these, this picture of this woman that's just going to be perfect and on fire for God and beautiful. And then when I got in my early 20s, I'm like, well, God, it, as long as she's a Christian and, and, and she's okay looking, you know, that'll be all right. Then I'm like, okay, if she goes to church and, uh, you know, she doesn't have a beard, then that, that'll be all right. And then it got to the board, it's like, okay, God, if she just doesn't hate you, <laughs> then maybe she's a candidate. I was tempted, but I didn't. And I said, you know what? I'd rather be single the rest of my life than to step out on my own terms and just marry somebody just because everybody else is getting married. And not long after I made that decision, and God and I had a long conversation, and he did most of the talking, God brought the most amazing wife to me, Martha, who loves God. She's on fire for God. She's amazing. She's what I call a GB, a godly babe. You guys, you wait for that godly babe. Don't settle for anything less. But maybe, I don't know, what is it you need faith for today? Maybe you need faith just to get through the day. Maybe you got a big exam coming up or you got a class that you're facing that you're not really sure how you're going to get through it. What do you need faith for? But I wanted you today to begin thinking even bigger than the here and now and begin thinking about the future, about your life making a difference. I asked Martha, I said, Martha, I said, has there ever been a time where you stepped out on faith and you obeyed God even though it didn't make any sense? And she, she said, sure there was when God told me to marry you. 
just a joke. See, faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. And listen to me, faith always involves a risk. You might want to write that down somewhere. Faith always involves taking a risk. You can't stay in your comfort zone and experience what God has for you. Number three, not only must we have a vision, not only must we have faith, but number three, we must be willing to obey. Everybody say obey. We must be willing to obey even when it doesn't make sense. Many things that God may ask you to do, it may not make sense at first. It may not make sense on paper. But God sees the big picture and he knows what he's doing. And he's just asking you to obey and trust him by faith. See, we don't do that most of the time, do we? We say, God, I'll step out on faith if I'm guaranteed of success. I'll step out on faith if I'm guaranteed this will work out. I'll step out on faith if you guarantee me that I'll be successful. But God says, no, you've got it all backwards. That doesn't require any faith. I want you to step out on faith and trust me when you don't know what's going to happen. When you don't know if you're going to be successful. But you take a step of faith and you risk for the cause of Christ. And if you want to see supernatural things take place in your life, you must be willing to take steps of faith. Ask God, say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you've called me to do. I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone. Just as we see Noah got out of his comfort zone and he obeyed God, even though it didn't make sense to build a boat in the middle of a desert, far from the ocean. And God says, I'll bring the water to you. It didn't make sense, but Noah was willing to obey. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. In the second part of that verse, it says, He obeyed God who warned him about something that had never happened before. God warned him about something that had never happened before, but he obeyed God. He was willing to obey. He obeyed everything that God told him to do. And God gave him details. He not only gave him a vision, but look at the details that God gave Noah. He says, I want you to build it 450 feet long. I want you to build it 70 feet high. I want you to build it 45 feet, I'm 70 feet wide, 45 feet high. I want you to build a roof on it. He told him what kind of, what kind of covering to put on it and what to put on the inside of the roof. He said at 18 inches from the top of the ark, I want you to put a window. I want you to make three decks, a lower, a middle, and an upper deck. And I want you to put a door on the side. See, God not only gave him a vision, but God gave him details of how to do it. Isn't that an awesome God to do that? And see, God will do that for you. And you may not understand all the little details at first, but after the ark was finished and after the flood was over... Noah's like, I sure am glad that I obeyed God because I needed that, those windows 18 inches from the top of the roof. I needed that third deck because after the, when the flood came, that second deck wasn't high enough. Because he was willing to obey, God took care of him and the ark was a safe place. Then God tells him, I want you to fill the ark with two of every kind of animal. Now, can you imagine that? Put yourself in Noah's position for a little bit. 
you're supposed to gather up all of the animals two by two. Every animal on the planet. Now I'm sure that was not an easy task. See, animals don't just do what you tell them to do, do they? I have an 18-month-old peekapoo. Her name is Zoe. And she's daddy's little girl. And we hang out together. We play. And I've taught her some little tricks and stuff. The other day, last week, we were out in the backyard. And normally, I take her out in the leash because we don't have a fence. But this time, I thought, you know, I'm going to let her just run free. And so I let her off the leash, and she went running around like a Tasmanian devil all around the backyard. You know? I was like, man, she's having a great time. And I was like, you know, it's getting cold out here. We need to go back inside. Hey, Zoe! She didn't, she ignored me. I'm like, hey, Zoe, come on, girl, come on, girl, come on, get inside. Come on, daddy's girl. And she just like sat there on the grass looking at me like, I'm chilling, baby. I ain't going nowhere. I, I like in this backyard, man. So I had to run down the hill and pick her up and it's like, oh, when is she going to learn to obey me? But Noah had to gather up two of every kind of animal. I started thinking about that. If you were doing that, would you have been tempted to leave some animals off the ark? What animal would you have left off? Hey, tell the person next to you, say, this is the animal I would have left off the ark. I was talking to our youth minister, Scott Ranlett, and he said he would leave cats off. How many of you say cats? All right, shame on you. I can't believe that you did that, but I agree. All right. We might have been tempted to leave some animals off the ark, but Noah didn't do that. He loaded up his family, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. How would you like to have those names? I'm sure Ham was glad that Noah didn't get hungry one day and say, hey, honey, let's have some ham and eggs. That would have been a bad day for him. Some of y'all get that later. But he obeyed God. Look what it says in Genesis 6.22. Listen to this. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did what? Everything. Not most everything. Not a lot of things. But he did everything. And the result was that he had an impact. Why did God choose Noah? We see in Genesis Chapter 6, verse 9, that Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a blameless man. And Noah walked with God. God knew that he could rely upon Noah. God knew that he could trust Noah. Let me ask you a question. If today God was searching the planet and he was looking for one man or one woman or one college student or one professor or one pastor to step up and do something, that they had never done before to experience the supernatural, would he choose you? Would you be found blameless? Would you be found one as righteous? Would you be found one as walking with God? You know what the truth is today? God really is searching the whole planet. He's searching Liberty University today. And he said, can I find one man, one woman? One student, one adult who's willing to take a stand, who's willing to do whatever it takes. They don't care if people are going to laugh at them. They don't care if people ridicule them. They'll take a stand for 
for God. They'll take a stand in their community. They'll take a stand in the workplace. They'll leave liberty and make a difference for Jesus Christ. And say, God, you can count on me. God is looking today for men and women who are willing to say, God, I will. Pick me. My question for you today is, will you be the one? Will you be the one? Say, God, I'll be the one. Some of you are thinking, but God, you can't use me. I'm not perfect. God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for faithful people. He's looking for people who walk with God. You might say, I'm too young. Look at David. You might say, I'm too old. Look at Caleb. God says, stop making excuses and say, God, I'll be the one. Will you bow your heads with me? And God, we are so thankful for your love for us. God, we're so thankful that when we put our life in your hands and we get a vision from you and we step out on faith and and we obey what you tell us to do, God, that amazing things can take place. And God, I pray for these students right now. And God, I know that they hear so many messages and they hear so many things in this incredible university. So many powerful messages. But God, I pray that today, maybe you're talking to one young man who you're calling to go plant a church in another city in the country. Or a woman or other college students that you're going to call to go out and to serve on a team and to help plant a church somewhere in the United States or maybe even around the world. And God, I pray right now that they would obey you. If that's your desire today, you say, you know, man, I want you to know that if God picks me, I'll be the one. I will be the one. Will you just raise your hand all over this room? If your testimony to God is, God, I'll be the one, you can count on me. Just raise your hand all over this fine center. God, you see those hands, God? I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in their life. I thank you, God, for the anointing and the power that's going to flow through them. I pray, God, that they would see amazing things take place in their life. God, I pray for Liberty University. I pray, God, that the vision of planting 500 churches would come true. God, I pray that you would do even Ephesians 3.20, far beyond what we can even imagine or think. And we'll give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for letting me come.